Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast where we explore compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. And this week, we are going to be exploring the theme of fear in Star Wars. To get us started, we have a quote that we want to discuss, a quote that will most likely be familiar to any fan of Star Wars. This comes <laughs> from episode one, The Phantom Menace, when young Anakin Skywalker is being questioned by the Jedi Council. He asks why fear is important, and this is Yoda's response. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. I do love this this quote. It, I think it became one of the standout quotes from the prequels in particular. Totally. And I don't actually know if it was a an official poster or if it was a fan-made one, but I just remember this great one. I think it was official, but it was of Anakin walking down in Tatooine, but his shadow is of Vader, and it just had these, oh, these totally. lines. Oh, totally. Yeah. So cool. So, so That's cool. That's the coolest poster. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I'm curious, though, do you agree with this quote? There's some ways that, that I, I, I do, some ways I don't. I think that Anakin's journey, um, and especially Anakin's turn at the end of episode three, does reflect this quote. We see Anakin on Mustafar, and the reason he turned is because of his fear of losing Padme. Then when Padme and Obi-Wan arrive, his, you see his anger at them and, and him lashing out through that. And then his final line to Obi-Wan after he's defeated is, I hate you. And so we see this kind of interesting transition from fear to anger to hate there in his kind of path to the dark side, in his fall. But I think that, as we'll talk about, I think in this episode, it's not always the case. I think that perhaps the quote should have been, fear can lead to anger, and anger can lead to hate, and hate can lead to the dark Mm -hmm. side, or to Mm -hmm. suffering. Mm -hmm. Because unlike what Obi-Wan says on Mustafar, Sith aren't the only ones who are dealing with in absolutes here. And <laughs> the idea that fear is always going to lead to anger and anger will always lead to hate, I think, is is not true, whether in the story or in, in reality. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, that's funny because when I was thinking about it, I'm just like thinking about it intellectually, just like apart from Star Wars. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you're, you're actually grounding it in the series itself, which I guess is important. Um, <laughs> Because, yes, I I totally agree. I think Anakin, his path is very defined by this progression. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure what I think of it in terms of fear in general and why the Jedi should oppose fear in a certain way. Mm. I think there are a lot of reasons why people could say that fear is not good or it is not helpful for blank in in terms of what the Jedi are supposed to do. I think if you are fearing, if if you're holding on to things, which is is one of the the Jedi tenets, right? You're you're supposed to let go. You're not supposed to have the attachment. When you have attachments, fear can kick in in different ways than it would or wouldn't if you didn't have those attachments. Mm -hmm. And I could see why if your sole goal is for trying to create and and maintain peace. Yeah, like not being, not just attached to people, but attached to even your own life. That Mm -hmm. would be significant for a Jedi because if they're attached to their own lives, then fear could be a a significant problem 
in, in doing what they maybe are supposed to be doing. And so this kind of look is, mm, yeah, it's just, it's too narrow uh, mm-hmm. for, I think, what the Jedi should be thinking about in terms of, of fear. And I don't know. It, yeah, I, I think people fear things for a lot of different reasons. And I, I think maybe this does happen in real life. It doesn't really for myself. So it, it feels a little disconnected from reality for me, but I don't think that that's necessarily true for all people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some people, they very intimately can relate to this. But, I mean, you hear things about, for example, uh, one of my good friends who's been on the show before, Aaron, he was recently quoted talking about this ugh, really frustrating thing that was happening in the OC where people were, like, complaining about pride flags being exclusive for them. <laughs> It's awful. Oh, of course. We're, we're surrounded by so many straight people, but you have this <laughs> rainbow flag. Now I feel threatened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real bad. And so I think it's a lot of people's temptation to be like, oh, well, they're afraid, you know, and that can lead to anger and that can lead to hate and then hate can lead to suffering. And, and I think very much so hate does lead to suffering or, or mm. can. But I almost want to, like, add something onto the front end. It's like privilege leads to fear. Mm. And fear can lead to fear or something like that. Because if, if you start in a place where you weren't afraid, then fear has a real motive, is a real motivating factor. But for so many communities, they never have that reality. So only the privileged don't have to fear. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that this quote's kind of all-encompassing aspect also isn't helpful for what the Jedi are trying to do because it, it sounds like they're just trying to say you shouldn't have fear you need to free yourself of fear rather than you need to learn how to healthily deal with fear and mm-hmm. move through it and confront it when you need to and utilize it and, and all these other kinds of things in healthy ways that clearly Anakin never learned. Right. Maybe we should talk about what you're afraid of. Yeah. And maybe so, we should see if that's a rational, smart thing to be afraid of because there is plenty of that too. Exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. So, yeah, I think that the the quote is uh, very fitting for the kind of simplistic good versus evil path to darkness and redemption arcs that star wars kind of has as its bread and butter but definitely should utilize a lot more nuance than than it has absolutely and and i feel like if you buy into this quote too much it can very much like almost make excuses for the hate Mm -hmm. because it's like oh but it's like centered in fear like that's the source oh you know compassion you know and not that not to have compassion for people blah 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 but like I don't think all hatred starts from fear. And I don't know if Anakin's does. If he had hatred ever after towards Tusken Raiders, I don't think that that would be because of fear. I think that Mm. that would be because a small group of them killed his mother. Yeah, I I think that the, the leap in particular from fear to anger is one that could be challenged in particular uh yeah as as just that's not always the case and i think that those who choose to react to their fear 
through anger or who refuse to stop themselves from reacting that way also need to take some ownership of their reactions because yeah we we, we can't just say it's a one-to-one oh you're experiencing fear you're going to experience anger because there are ways to subvert that right and i feel like that's such a problematically gendered thing as well Mm. so it's like oh well if men are afraid then they might react in anger but wouldn't this quote just seem so much more out of place if the cast was predominantly female characters, you know? Totally. I just don't think that they would ever use this quote, which obviously is problematic because it's, you know, this socialized thing of like men are more aggressive, violent. And then and, yeah. it's okay to, yeah, to, to respond in anger. And also what are the things that Anakin fears? Losing his mother, losing his wife, losing his child, you know, all these things that are marks of of masculinity in these gender relationships. Yeah, yeah, mm. you're so right. Yeah. But we're not doing gender in Star Wars. We're doing fear <laughs> we in Star Wars. We already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why don't we move into your character? Okay, so I actually, I thought about bringing Anakin, but I thought it'd be more interesting to talk about Luke. Because Luke also, I think, struggles with fear, but he does so in ways that are much more nuanced and do challenge this quote and challenge kind of these perspectives of fear in Star Wars. One of the things mm-hmm. that Yoda says a couple times to Luke as as kind of his biggest failing is that he is always looking at the horizon. He's always looking at what will be, not what is. Not focusing on what's going on in the world or, or in his surroundings, but focusing on what his hopes are and what his fears are. What could be the case and whether he wants to fight for that or fight against that, I think is kind of where that comes in. And I think it's interesting to see how fear can at times impact his decisions. You know, we see uh, his fear of losing his friends leaving him to stopping his training. Mm -hmm. And at times, the fear does actually follow this this trend, right? Fear leads to the anger when he figures out that Leia's in trouble and that that Vader found out about Leia. The idea that, that she and others would be either turned or killed he does strike out and he does turn to violence again um Mm -hmm. and so i think there is some element there if we see him him having this fear coming out in anger but i think that a lot of his other decisions they don't lead necessarily to anger and to hate and to suffering we see his fear of disappointing leia and han leading him to abandon the galaxy his fear of ray's power stopping him from training her in The Last Jedi. And while I think these decisions might be mistakes, it's not the dark side. He's not going down that path. He is still arguably even going the opposite direction, where he is letting his fear isolate himself from his network and from the galaxy at large once he feels like he can only see failure in his future. And he runs from that. And Yeah, that's really interesting because it's yeah. like... Whereas Anakin feared, well, sure, losing people, but some of that was, like, because of others, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Luke, at least particularly in in the sequels, his fear is of himself. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's almost like, as you mentioned, you know, he's scared for his sister and that Vader would try to get her to turn to the dark side, right? And then he lashes out. But then it's the fear of, like, in a way, becoming his father 
Mm. And when he, he cuts off his hand and he sees his own hand that had been cut off and like, he stops. So it's like, it's almost like Luke thought that he wouldn't have to deal with really turning to the dark side again, like that as a thing that he has to think about, uh, like after Return of the Jedi, when he made that decision. But then in The Last Jedi, we find out what he was about to do. Mm -hmm. And then he had to fear himself again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 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 is maybe another area where fear isn't leading to anger. It's leading to suffering, but it's skipping over anger and hatred. I don't think that he, he draws his lightsaber on Ben because he hates him, but Mm -hmm. he does it because he's afraid of that future. And he, I think doesn't necessarily feel he has much choice and it's it also kind of instinctual, it sounds like, in, in his description of it, and that he regrets it. But, yeah, I, I just, I think that Luke's relationship with fear, though it at times kind of follows this paradigm, it really complicates it. And it does so in a mm. really interesting way. And, and in particular, in the sequel trilogy, it brings in despair from fear, which is a different reaction than, than anger. It's, I'm afraid of this, and so I'm going to to run away. I'm going to lose hope, which, of course, is such an important theme in Star Wars as well. And I think there's a lot of really interesting things to chew on there that we don't see in Anakin's more simplistic kind of fall and and journey through these emotions. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That that is really interesting. And I think that it's it's such a, a a human thing to have fears and that leads you to to doing nothing or yeah. to, to giving up oh i feel that so hard yes right i feel like, like <laughs> i relate to that so much more than i relate to like fear leading to anger or hate that yeah that just doesn't resonate with me as much as luke's absolutely so what plot did you want to talk about with fear Yeah, so I was thinking about the quote by Tarkin when he says that fear will keep the local systems in line, fear of this battle station, which is, you know, I mean, Tarkin is such an iconic character. (laughs) Those cheekbones. Those cheekbones. Um, (laughs) And so I was thinking about, like, how the idea of using fear as a tactic for control is a significant element in, in many of the movies. You know, we have the prequels, Palpatine used fear of, you know, the separatists and this war to gain power in the government. And then he uses fear of what the Jedi supposedly did to him to create the Imperial Senate, Mm -hmm. which is supposed to bring, quote, peace and security to the galaxy. So those are definitely some fear tactics and then in the original movies when the death star is built instead of needing to use the fear of basically any sort of legal action through the imperial senate as a deterrent for anybody to oppose him or fight back or whatever it would be the empire just abandons even the sham of a just senate and Mm. they didn't need it anymore because they plan to rely solely on brute force as the fear that would continue the control that they wanted to have. Hmm. Then you also have places like Tatooine being run by the Huts, which are basically mob bosses, which obviously relies on fear in many ways. I mean, obviously also 
economic domination and, you know, all of these different aspects. Mm. But fear is always going to be a part of that. And you also see some control via fear tactics in Solo with mm. the community that refines minerals who rebelled at one point and then they had their tongues cut out. And then also all of the different enslaved peoples in, in the mines as well, which we see violence used against the Wookiees and, and different mm. um, people there. So I think, yeah, we see this like using fear to either gain control or maintain control throughout a lot of the movies. But I was also kind of thinking about like the newer trilogy and, and I wasn't exactly sure how it, how it applied because the First Order doesn't really have the same amount of control as the Empire did, mm. nor really like the Huts do over their own particular planet either. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it didn't feel as fleshed out because it's not honestly that long since the Empire fell that then you have this new group that's kind of doing a lot of the same things. And so I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I feel like for me, the, the First Order and their relationship with the fear definitely goes back to kind of what we're talking about, where they they, they fear losing their privilege in a lot of ways. And it's this nostalgia mm. of control and uh, a, a make the galaxy great again type of view of... <laughs> Let's go yes. back to when we were explicitly imperialist terrorists. This... Yeah. Let's go back to when we were supreme. Exactly. Exactly. And... Let's follow someone called the supreme leader. That sounds good. <laughs> and call ourselves the first order, where order's right right there in our name. And, and we're, we're, by saying first, hearkening back to, to you know, the past. So yeah, I, I think that there's there's an element there that, that is not explored in the series, but it coming out in the modern era, I can't imagine wasn't at least subconsciously an element of the idea of this political nostalgia that exists in the United States of us, you know, looking back at what was greatness in the past and how tied that was to imperialism. And this, this fear of identity politics where, oh, if non-straight white men have power that means that the straight white men are losing their power if other people are equal to them then they no longer their privilege no longer means anything and that i think there's a fear of that as well that we don't really see explicitly undergirding the first order but i think would be an interesting exploration in comics or, or other types of things in that era yeah it would definitely be a, a really interesting read yeah yeah Interesting point. Yeah. So I guess should we move on to our compelling questions? That sounds like a great idea. So my compelling question is another one of my more meta questions that maybe isn't quite as compelling, but I think is, is fun. <laughs> um, I'm wondering what you, as a fan, for you, what monsters or locations or other ephemera from Star Wars have been or are scary to you? Huh. It's funny because the movies were already, the originals were already so old when I first mm -hmm. saw them. So, you know, when you watch old movies, like, oh, look at those graphics, scary, you know. <laughs> so they're definitely 70s graphics. So <laughs> I don't actually remember being scared of the movies. 
when it comes to characters, not not in real life, but like when it comes to characters, there's something like that draws me in to things that are more sinister, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly when they're done well. Yeah. But back when I was a kid, I didn't really have a strong gauge for that. Um, <laughs> so I really liked Darth Vader. I thought he was like so cool. <laughs> like he just, mm-hmm. he has this coolness about him. Not that like, oh, he killed people. But I mean, the, the power was attractive totally. uh, to a, a budding Slytherin. But I also liked Boba Fett. Like <laughs> those mm. are the characters I remember just being like, oh, they're so cool. It was because I, you wanted to strike fear in others the way they do in the, in the movies? Maybe. <laughs> I mean... Who knows? Maybe when you when you have two older sisters who are like six and four years older than you, you know, you you'd like to have a little force choke power every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I don't remember being scared. I remember I thought the rancor looked gross. Mm. I do have a distinct memory though of one of my younger cousins, and he he was mm, I think five years younger than me he was scared of the jawas (laughs) when he was like really young which i always thought was funny because i thought that they were cute Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we had to like fast forward that part um when they're like hiding and then jump out and like stun r2d2 that's amazing that's so great i know right i i do kind of remember like a creepy feeling when the droids are like being tortured I didn't mm. like that, which I mean is good. Kids shouldn't like torture. No one should like torture, <laughs> not just kids. So, yeah, I, I guess that's what I, I I think of now as my adult self. What I'm more scared of is when there isn't nuance and there isn't boundaries pushed. <laughs> That's my fear with Star Wars. <laughs> Go back to our gender episode. <laughs> <laughs> That scares my Ravenclaw mind. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, that's what it makes me think of. But what about you? I I think I have a a slightly different view. Like, I I definitely similarly was never really afraid of the monsters as they were created. Because, yeah, the graphics just were, at that point, weren't to the extent that I felt like I could really be be frightened. And and actually, that's one of the things that... I thought a lot about with this question was the way things are represented and the way technology kind of allows them to be represented. Because one of, I think, the things that did scare me as a child, or at least creep me out as a child, was the Dianoga in the trash compactor. And I think a reason for that is that we don't see any of it. We only see the eye stock, which is just kind of brief and gruesome enough that you know, the rest of it's shrouded in mystery and we don't know what's going on. You know, there's some tentacles involved, like, but there's something creepy in there and most of it's hidden. And I think that adds to the, to the fear level for me. I'm sure if we saw whatever the, uh, <laughs> the actual puppet looks like, there was no way we'd be afraid, but. Where it wasn't just a little eye that poked out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, look at the Sarlacc. The Sarlacc does not look like a scary monster. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say that the recent treatment by Niketi Okorafor in the From a Certain Point of View anthology changed my perspective on the Dianoga completely. Such a good short story. Interesting. Kind of in the same vein, one 
planet that isn't in the in, isn't any of the actual movies, but has been covered quite a bit in the canon extra stuff that I think is scary is Dathomir. Yeah, yeah, um, it's very interesting. It's basically a nightmare hellscape. Um, yeah. There, there's literal undead zombies that exist there, giant spiders, magic, like all these other types of things that are happening there in this really creepy way. And, and when I was watching The Clone Wars, where a lot of that's featured, the graphics of it always made it seem entertaining, but never really scary in a way. Yeah. And a video game that came out last year uh, has you go to Dathomir. It's more realistic in its, its graphics, and of course, you're actually playing through it. And so that made the, the location more frightening in a way that really grounded me in, oh, this is a scary place. Like, this is a, yeah, nightmare location within the galaxy of Star Wars. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that, that the, the way that things are represented, whether through medium or how time and, and technology has changed, can have a really big impact on, on how scary things are. Totally. The one thing that you did you did mention, though, that I think does certainly as an adult still make me highly uncomfortable are not only the torture of the droids but the torture bot that goes to leia there are just too many sticky things on that yeah i don't love huge needles coming towards my head no no not at all so yeah although i mean i do uh acupuncture and that's fine (laughs) yeah i don't know if i could handle that uh certainly not in my face so props to you but, but yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I it's, that... it's for a different purpose, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure that has something to do with it. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I think it's it's interesting thinking about this galaxy and, you know, for for a movie series that is so archetypical, I think it's interesting when they try to bring in fear and, and terror into the production of the, and the narrative of the, the stories. Yeah, yeah. You know what actually is, uh, what I think actually should be one of the most frightening things in the Star Wars universe is mind control. I know, right? Completely bypassing consent and making people do things that are going to probably get them tortured and killed. Mm Mm-hmm. And the protagonists are doing this? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's frightening. And that there's no examination of that. Uh, yeah, that that is very disturbing. And in, especially, you know, in The Force Awakens, you have Kylo Ren using kind of like a mind probing technique, which obviously is problematic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, oh, well, he's the villain, so him doing this is wrong. But then using mind control that's fine as long as the jedi are doing that like uh absolutely and i i will actually touch a bit more on that in my next section um but for now why don't we go to your compelling question for me okay so when i think about fear in star wars i honestly can't help think about like i would be so much more afraid than most of the characters are if i were in these wars (laughs) And so my question for you is how you think the context in which different characters grew up or had significant experiences influence how or what they fear. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because, uh, you know, 
uh, my first thought is like, oh, this is just unrealistic. People will be more scared. But I'm like, well, do any of the characters have actual reasons for showing less fear than someone like I would who has not grown up around warfare mm-hmm. in my vicinity, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, all I can think about are some of the, the short stories I've read in the this certain point of view anthology, which do talk even about some of the the nameless rebels and why they're in there, and why mm-hmm. they're why they're fighting. And I think that those are always really interesting stories to see. But I, I've got a few different ideas because because going back to even what I was talking about earlier, I think there's some interesting contrasts between Anakin and Luke because both of them grew up on Tatooine, but Anakin grew up as a slave, mm-hmm. and then he was freed from that slavery. And so he gained freedom and, and a, a appreciation for that freedom, I think, that made it so that when he lost the ability to choose his own destiny or his mother's destiny or his wife's destiny or whatever it might be, he reacted more strongly. Hmm. And someone like Luke, who was also on Tatooine, but he grew up with a family and in relative comfort for someone living on Tatooine. You know, his family is murdered in the same way that Anakin's mother is, right? Unjustly taken from him. But he doesn't swear the same kind of oath of vengeance against the Empire. He immediately turns to fight the Empire because he wants to, yeah, fight against someone who's going to do something so awful. But it's, I want to become a Jedi Knight like my father. I want to do good, not I want to punish those who've hurt me. Yeah. And or I, I want to now control everything. Yes, exactly. I don't. I want to make sure that this will never happen to me again. Yeah, those are, I think, really interesting things that I wonder if anything anyone's ever explored or I'm kind of thinking about now. But I will say that looking at the sequel trilogy, it's another example of how Rose is just one of the best characters. <laughs> because you see why she and her sister are fighting. And you see yeah. what they've experienced and how that shaped their view of the galaxy. And I think that that's also a really important aspect of Rebellion that, that the series doesn't do a great job on, which is that often the people who are going to put themselves at risk for any kind of rebellion, and that includes even protests within our own society, especially those that are dangerous protests and ongoing protests, the people who are showing up for those are the ones who understand the systemic issues that are causing these things. They aren't just someone who Mm -hmm. they personally have experienced loss and they want to seek vengeance or justice or anything else like that. It's that they understand that there are societal level problems that only rebellion can actually answer. Mm -hmm. And I love that about Rose. Yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see more characters who are really engaging with this on a societal level and a systemic level like the way she does absolutely yeah no i love that point because it is so important it is so powerful that the tactic of using fear for control does not work on her because Mm. she understands how these systems are put in place and maintained and who they benefit and so she understands what she's risking And she knows why she's doing it and she knows what she's trying to dismantle. And then she can make the decision that that's worth it for her. You know, Mm. they can be like, oh, we can kill you. We can torture you. We can take your sister from you. And she knows, 
And that doesn't make it not hurt. It doesn't make her not devastated, but she understands. She understands yeah. the structural issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What else were you thinking for this this question? Yeah, so I was also thinking about Jin Urso mm. and how quickly she's kind of able to step into the rebellion and just go on this suicide mission. And I was kind of wondering if her spending several years with Saw Gerrera, who was this radical rebel, if mm. that in some ways kind of prepared her for facing down impossible odds for the cause, even yeah. if she wasn't practicing that for as long. It, it was something maybe sort of familiar for her to step back into. I was also thinking about, and, and we talked a little bit about Chirut in, in our Sorting Chat episode last episode, how, you know, he was a monk at the Kyber Temple, and I think that probably his belief in the Force and, and whatever else was involved in his religion really did have help him have less fear for his life. Mm-hmm. And I was also thinking about Vader a bit, because, I mean, we, we've talked about Anakin, but it's just, it's really interesting, because considering that, you know, he had his mom tortured to death, he killed his own wife. He, well, semi, you know, depending on what we're going to say, caused her death. And then he had his limbs chopped off and was almost burned to death. And that mm-hmm. was by somebody that he had had, at least for, for a long period of time, trusted and, and had a close relationship with. And so, I, I don't know. It's just, you'd think that he would be more afraid of, everything (laughs) because Mm -hmm. and again as you were saying he began life as an an enslaved kid so yeah I I just kind of wonder when we come to him in the original trilogy you know he's like just down to face off with Obi-Wan not worried about it he is just not concerned really about anything even though he has to wear this mask to be able to breathe you know he has to do these different things but he doesn't really seem to have much fear so I don't know I'm just kind of wondering if maybe him being the supposed only Jedi left in the galaxy as far as he knew if that kind of just made him have this additional measure of confidence because Mm. like Sure, in the prequels, he was, like, cocky and annoying, or he became that for sure. I should be a master, and blah, blah, blah. But then uh, he failed big time. <laughs> <laughs> and that had huge ramifications on, on his body. And so, yeah, for him to just, like, not fear anything after that, I think is strange. And so, yeah, I just wonder if it's, like, you've had a decade and a half or whatever thinking that you're the only one who has this power besides the Mm. emperor who you you know you know isn't gonna kill you because he wants you to do his bidding and if that kind of built up his confidence again to just not really be afraid and think that he's the best yeah yeah absolutely well before we move on to our missed opportunities i do just want to say one last thing with leia i just she doesn't seem to have a ton of fear in general either she's like quite courageous and i i kind of wonder if that's like she was just raised on the rebellion you know that was Mm -hmm. her bread and butter from 
almost day one. And yeah, I just, I really wonder how that uh, influenced her to really not fear the same things that Luke does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually think that there's some interesting parallels between her and Jin because they're both raised by the rebellion in such different ways. Mm-hmm. And both of them clearly had father figures who were rebellious, but one was so much more radically so and so much more violently so that I think it, it, it led to some of the different interesting differences in their their disposition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk about what are some missed opportunities? Yeah, so, so kind of what you're talking about in regards to the fear of, you know, Jedi mind control and these other types of things, I think that it would be really interesting to see the series explore more of the kind of existential fear that living in a society with people like the Jedi would bring to people. Mm-hmm. Especially for, for those after the rebellion those who maybe weren't raised with the jedi temple being seen as not only a traditional part of society but one in which was all the propaganda framed as benevolent i'm thinking back to the scene where ray and finn are saying wait the stories were real and they're both kind of looking in awe though for different perspectives yeah, there's no one really grappling with, wait, so there are people who can move stuff with their mind, who can make me do things with their mind? Mm. And even with Finn, it might have been interesting for that to be part of why he left the Stormtroopers, is because he saw Kylo's strength, his power, his ability to stop a blaster bolt and leave it in midair while he goes and does other types of things, instead of it just being, I couldn't shoot anyone, which I think is powerful in of itself, but that I am shook, I am so... Just, yeah, I don't know how to engage in the world that has people who can do these types of things. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, for example, Rogue One does a really good job of showing that kind of reaction to the Death Star. When the Rebellion really understands the capacity of the Death Star for the first time. And it leads the majority of those who are present to give up. To say, we can't fight this. We need to run away, basically. And mm-hmm. I think it'd be really interesting to see other characters who react in despair to the overwhelming power of the Jedi or the Sith or, or other Force users, but also to see those who find purpose and choose to fight regardless of the despair or fear that they might feel of those people. Because, yeah, I think that if I was just a moisture farmer, I was just a smuggler even, and all of a sudden I found someone who especially someone who could do like the prequel trilogy style like flips and force movements and things like that <laughs> no I would thank just, you yeah i'd just be like what what does my life in this galaxy mean when that exists what is going on yeah i just i think there'd be something that uh that that that, that could be terrifying on a really core level to to how people see themselves in in the, the galaxy Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, if that happened in our world, you know, (laughs) it's just how that would impact relationships. Mm. You would never know. Well, first of all, you would never know, did I do that thing because I chose to do it or Mm. was somebody telling me to do it? But also, like, 
if the Jedi Order changed, blah, 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 and, like, you could actually be in a relationship with somebody who had, you know, was a Jedi, or, you know, maybe they're not a part of the Order, but just have these powers, right? Mm -hmm. It would be so hard to trust them, because Mm -hmm. they could just Jedi mind trick you, and you would never know. And, yeah, that would be really interesting to see. And, yeah, that, that, that is really a shame that that isn't there really at all because well and even even calling it a jedi mind trick right it trivializes mm-hmm. exerting dominance over somebody else and overriding their their consent and you have in in some of the other series that we cover so you have harry potter where imperio is like that is an unforgivable curse yeah so yeah you could still be afraid of it but it it has this status of like you cannot do this if you do this then there are these different consequences right and then you have kind of in in avatar last airbender you have this equalist response to people shouldn't be able to have these powers over Mm -hmm. us yeah and, and I, it's one of the things I actually really enjoy about the way that the unforgivable curses are introduced because mm-hmm. we see the class laughing alongside while the, the spider is dancing around and things like that. We see them seeing the way that we, we look at the Jedi mind trick. It's like, oh, wow, look at how funny this is. You can make him do whatever. And mm-hmm. then it, it hits you what that means, how awful that really is. And yeah. And, when you can make it kill itself, when you can, exactly. you know, yeah, it's it's not a game. And how it affects someone like Neville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. But what's what's your missed opportunity? So mine is that I think because Star Wars is it just like has this wartime epic nature. Mm-hmm. I think we really miss like the humanness or, I mean, I guess we should say like the the, the personness of fears hmm. because there there's such a broad spectrum of fears and you know there there are things like kind of irrational fears of like non-poisonous spiders like i have <laughs> there are <laughs> types of fears like being afraid of people not liking you or being afraid of asking someone out on a date or, you know, things like that. You know, just fears are things that every person has, whether, you know, it's to a lesser extent or a greater extent to what kind of role they have in in their lives. And so I think I, I just kind of miss that in the Star Wars movies, just the personness of the characters. I think it would make them feel a bit more real because even if you don't share the exact fears that you know a character has it it makes them more relatable like talking about luke being afraid of himself or luke being afraid and that causing him to give up or do nothing i think that very much is more a, a personal like i can resonate with this i can understand this and so maybe people who actually live in war zones maybe i don't know if if maybe there's ways in which that they could relate to these movies that i don't but yeah i think being able to see a little more of fears on all sorts of levels just really rounds out characters more i think and so yeah i'm just kind of missing that and 
how that impacts their interactions with people and the world. Yeah, that's really that's really true. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of why choosing Luke spoke to me because the more I thought about it, the more I realized like, oh yeah, there is a, there's something gripping here. Something really, really interesting. As a self-professed coward, um, <laughs> the uh, the choice to, to run away from all your problems and live on a desert island definitely spoke to me in some ways. Mm. So yeah, I think that that's a, a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's wrap up, uh, get to our final thoughts. Okay, well, what do you have? Earlier, you kind of compared the fear that different groups use to maintain control. In particular, your your comparison of the Empire with the Huts has kind of had me thinking a lot. It's also had me thinking in, in respect to Leia's quote to Tarkin, where she says that, you know, the tighter he grips, the more systems will slip through his fingers. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how true that is in Star Wars. Mm. In Star Wars or in real life. Yeah. But especially in Star Wars in regards to fear, because the Death Star is the ultimate use of fear to try to control people. As uh, we were talking about with Rogue One, it it initially does so, but it also leads some to resist even further. I I just, yeah, I'm curious as to if the totality of desire for fear and control that the Empire and the First Order have is ultimately what leads to their destruction because the reason why so many ships come out to fight this destructive fleet at the end of the rise of skywalker is because these people have no other choice otherwise though they might still have fear that fear is both of standing up and not standing up against this this threat and looking at the huts their use of fear and all those other kind of things it's all so much more chaotic They want to have control or they want to have power, but they don't care if you are committing crimes, if you are, you know, killing each other, if you are doing all these other things, as long as it doesn't have to interfere with their business. And so there's a different line there, which makes things more chaotic, but it also makes things, I think, less scary and people more willing to live within it because there are still some freedoms. There is still some ability where they don't feel like, again, existential threat to themselves, based off of the, the those who have power, which is just Yeah, it's not, not like Luke was and contemplating so. like trying to overthrow the huts. Exactly. You know? So yeah, I, I just something that's on my mind is 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 how forcefully people try to exert control through the use of fear and how total fear ultimately can make these terrorizers kind of lose that control. Yeah. With you mentioning the rise of Skywalker at the end, I also kind of wonder if all those people showing up, if part of that was just because it hasn't been that long since the Empire was Mm -hmm. in power and these people remember Mm -hmm. versus if they had waited, uh, apparently since the Emperor can live through anything and forever, um, (laughs) (laughs) if he had waited another 50 years, if there would have been the same response mm-hmm. because i mean you chris you're the one who told me that bank of america changed its name they used to be the bank of italy right mm-hmm. and it's like ah we got to distance ourselves from fascism you know <laughs> and how it's like trumpism is here i <laughs> think <laughs> no one's like oh look at some of these things are incredibly fascist because it's it's been a minute so yeah, I kind mm-hmm. of wonder how 
memory and history and time plays into a response to a threat. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Unfortunately, we'll never know the answer because we don't know anything that was going on in Rise of Skywalker or why anyone did anything, really. (laughs) Who these huge fleet of people were, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know where they got the resources to build all those super, super, super Star Destroyers. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing real concrete in the Rise of Skywalker, so unfortunately we can't do much. (laughs) But before we go into another hate cast of Rise of Skywalker. I guess I should have a takeaway. That would be great. My takeaway is that the Rise of Skywalker ruined the ending of the series. Um, my takeaway is the next time I watch through the movies to pay more attention to fear because I don't think I've really paid that much attention to it in the past. Mm. Yeah, just more interesting things I'm sure to pick up on. Like, Leia has so much courage and so much bravery, but she looks frightened when that torture probe droid comes in because that's a natural yeah. response. Like, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah I think I think um, my takeaway is just to connect more of these dots next time I watch. And she's so brave, too, just because, I mean, I know we're supposed to be ending, but, but <laughs> the... <laughs> The choice of giving up the rebel base or losing her home planet, right? The fear that is so real Mm -hmm. that her entire planet could be destroyed in front of her. And her believing that and choosing to give inaccurate information is amazing because it's just, it's such a a courageous act and such a, a savvy and cunning act to do in such a stressful and terrible situation. Uh, Leia's awesome. Leia's great. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> yes, that's your real takeaway. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, what we'll be discussing next week. So we are going to be looking at Harry Potter through the theme of family. Oh, great. Family and Harry Potter. That'll be nice for the holidays. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description. You can also go to patreon.com slash lines to find all the amazing perks that you get if you become a patron of our podcast, which helps us stay sustainable, keeps us making the podcast, and gives you access to all sorts of extra fun goodies and extra content. So I highly encourage you to head over there and join our amazing patrons who really help to make the show possible. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pestel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek geek out. out!